0: Amen. Hey, take your Bibles this morning. we got lots to talk about today. A couple things I need to mention. When you came in, you received a 30-day prayer card. And we're going to be walking through that this morning in just a few moments. And then we have our Easter invite card. We'll be talking more about that. But I want you to take your Bibles, your iPhone, your cell phones, your iPads, however you choose to read it today. And I want you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word. We look at Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're going to tell, uh, just going to read just a couple of verses here on the lost sheep. And as I was reading this text this week, it took my mind back to an experience I had just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, there was a little shepherd boy standing on the side of the hill. We were just riding in a bus, and, and I saw this little kid. I don't know if you can see him. He's pretty small there. But he's got hundreds of sheep. I mean, they're all up here in the hills. He's got this one. And I thought, you. Yeah, my mind just went back. You know, David was a shepherd boy. And I couldn't find the dad anywhere. just said, well, that kid, man, he's, he's, he's already on it. Already learning how to work at a young age there. And this is really, this is probably about 10, uh, 10 miles from Jerusalem. So this would have been very, very close to where Jesus would have been when he told the story. I mean, literally miles It would have been the same region, same area. And all over Israel today, you'll see shepherd experiences just like this. And Jesus is telling a story. The Bible calls it a parable. Jesus loved to tell stories. It was his way of illustrating the gospel. It was his way of illustrating the hope of his message of good news for his generation. And so Jesus is telling a parable. A parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he's telling this earthly story. And, uh, and in, this, in this text, Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. I'm going to read just a couple of verses out of the lost sheep here today. And we're going to talk about who is your one. Beginning with verse number three, the Bible says, And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my one lost sheep. I found my one lost sheep. More rejoicing in heaven over the 99, over, over the one sinner than the 99 righteous who don't need to repent. This morning, I want to talk to you on this idea who is your one? Who's your one? Father, uh, today, again, we are so grateful for the grace of your spirit that we have sensed in this room. Lord, we've declared it. We've sung about it in song. Lord, you said that you inhabit the praises of your people, and we believe that today because of that experience we had just a few moments ago. We know it. We thank you for that today. We thank you for those who responded to the altar call, and, Lord, their hearts were hungry, and they need a miracle. We're just standing in agreement for miracles to take place in their hearts and lives because they prayed the prayers of agreement. Lord, I pray today for every person in this room that you'll give them a spiritual ear to hear, and, God, I pray that you'll give me a mouth to speak. God, we recognize that we live in a generation that's confused, full of pain and hurting. And God, all over our world, there's great sadness and sorrow. And you told us to pray. You told us to pray for those who are far from you. You told us to pray for those who need comfort today. So Lord, we stand in agreement today for the families All those families, those 50 families in Christchurch, New Zealand, Lord, at the brutal hands of this murderous thug. God, they lost loved ones. We're praying for the grace of God and the peace of God to fill their hearts and their lives. God, we recognize today that there is a spiritual battle for the souls and the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. I pray for the churches in Australia and New Zealand to rise up and present the love of God and the gospel of Christ in a tangible, practical hopeful way in this season today. God, I thank you for this opportunity that I have this morning. One more time to share your truth. God, I pray that you'll bring transformation to our hearts and our ears in your wonderful name. I ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, and you may be seated. Uh, we're kicking off today a series entitled, Who's Your One." Now, what's really cool is that there are churches all over America that are doing this. Pastor Alan Brumback down at Central Baptist Church, uh, he and I have become very good friends over the last couple of years. And we talked about this several weeks ago, about working together to bring the love of God to our community. And so right here in the Sanford Lake Mary community, there's at least two churches, and we're on this together. Because we believe, as a community of believers, we are better together. We're one church, one Lord, come on, one faith, trying to reach one person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are grateful today for other churches that are partnering with us and bringing God's love to our community and leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I was preparing this message this week and thinking a lot about it who's my one Lord and talking to the Lord and I woke up Friday morning and I was just I was really encouraged. Every Sunday you just wake up just kind of feeling good and and I was feeling good Friday morning and I went to grab my phone and my phone just went on the blank. I mean my iPhone became a brick. Anybody ever that experience before your phone just becomes a brick? you just throw it out there and hold down something with the weight paperweight and I've been just been bragging to someone just earlier a couple weeks ago, hey hey man these iPhones are amazing man I've had this one for two years I've never had a problem with it and then on Thursday night it just literally like went downhill Like, be careful what you say you know and so I and so so Friday morning I'm thinking oh I'm feeling good I'm thinking about man but I got to get a new phone and the last time I went to my preferred carrier store it was like a three or four hour ordeal I felt like it was worse than going to a used car lot you know what I mean it was just it was a bad experience for me personally it just took forever to get out out of there. I'm thinking, my goodness. I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to the store today. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call it in. And so I got the phone and I was able to get a hold of of the carrier, the preferred carrier. Not going to mention my preferred carrier today, but I got a hold of that preferred carrier and I got customer service on the line and I started talking to this girl and I realized she was from another country. And I know you've never had that experience before, but but immediately in my mind, I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, no. I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be quite an ordeal. And I started talking to the young lady on the phone, and, and, and she was doing really well. And I was just flowing with it, and I just wanted to order a phone. And, and all of a sudden, she said, what is City Church FL? And I said, well, that's our church. And she said, well, like, are you a priest or something? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I just want to order a phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I've just been praying. You know, I've been thinking about who's my one. And, and I'm talking to this girl on the phone. And she starts saying, well, are you a priest or something? Like, Does that mean, like, you're close to God? And, and all of a sudden, I realized that God had put my one right in front of me. And over the next hour, literally, over the next hour, not only did I order a phone, but I got to share with her my story. I, I got to talk to her about accepting Christ as her Savior. I, I got to pray with her. This phone call is being recorded. Come on. This phone call for customer service. I'm thinking, man, yeah, I'm praying with this girl, and I'm telling her about Jesus. And, and, I get off, and I get off the phone, and I'm like, that was amazing. I mean, God literally had to take a fish. And take that fish and cause that fish to jump in my boat to realize that my one was, you know what, closer than I thought. And you know what I learned from that experience? That your one is closer than you think. Uh, I was reading some statistics about Christians sharing their faith this week. And, and statistically, Christian missiologists tell us that one in five Christians will invite another Christian to church. But only two in 100 will actually invite someone who doesn't know Christ to church. I I mean, I think we all can understand this. We understand the tension. We understand the pressure. We understand the culture that we live in. And we feel this sense inside of us like, you know, what's, I mean, how do we do this? And I'm uncomfortable with it. But if we're a Christ follower today, we have to ask ourselves, what is my part in reaching the world for Christ? We have to ask ourselves that question. We have to ask ourselves that question because Jesus challenged us to do that. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, leading them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Jesus said that. It was a mandate that he gave to every person who called on his name. There's a real life spiritual reality today. There are over 7 billion people on planet Earth, and 3.9 billion of them have never had an adequate witness of who Jesus is. The biblical reality today that heaven and hell are real, and that people without Christ are lost for eternity. I didn't say that. I didn't make that up. That's just just something that, you know, I'm supposed to say because I'm a preacher boy. No, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no one to the Father. There's no other way to the Father except through me. It's the spiritual reality. And then we have to ask ourselves a question what am I going to give my life for today? What am I going to give my life for? Am I working towards retirement? That's important. Those are good things. I'm going to give my life just for my family and their education and their future. Those are all good things. But the fact is today, only those things that we give to Christ will last in our life. There is an eternal reality today. And God's asking us. God's challenging us. God's challenging us. What what is our part? What is our part in sharing the gospel? Now, what I've discovered is that we have lots of reasons, at least in our mind, intellectual reasons, because we're in a spiritual battle today. We have lots of reasons in our mind why we don't share our faith. I want to just kind of put a couple of them off the board here. First of all, fear. Fear is a reason that we're afraid to talk to people about our faith. And it's a real reason. I mean, I was talking to a guy at the hotel a couple of weeks ago, and he said, yeah, I'm a Christian. But he goes, I'm afraid that if I tell people about Christ at my job, I'll lose my job. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, he lives in a politically correct culture. You felt that before. You felt that tension. Maybe in the workplace, you feel uncomfortable. You know that uh, it's not, it's not a, uh, an acceptable thing to share your faith publicly with other people in the workplace. And because of that, we become afraid and the enemy wants us to cower and we feel like we can't say anything. Maybe we've tried it. Maybe we've tried sharing our faith with other people, and we just failed miserably. Like, we just stumbled and bumbled and didn't have the right words. And maybe they got angry and mad, and it just didn't work well. And so we feel like failures. We just don't know. And, and, and really, many times, it's because we, don't, we feel like a spiritual flunky. We feel like a biblical flunky. We don't know our Bible. We, we're, you know, we don't know what to say. We, we want to have our pastor on speed dial so that we can call him real quick, so just in case they answer a question that we don't know. We don't feel equipped. We don't feel properly prepared. Maybe we're living a funky spiritual life. I mean, maybe we're just really not serving the Lord, and, and we're just kind of living for ourselves. and there's no spiritual passion. There's no spiritual desire, not only for God, but for other people to know him. And then some people have faulty theology. There is some bad theology out there about people coming to faith in God. And what we believe, what I believe, what the Bible teaches, is that God is not willing that all any should perish, but that all come to repentance and a knowledge of Jesus as their Savior. And someone said, Amen. Maybe you have times have felt like this guy. Check out this video. Or a Jim. Robert. Hey. Hi, Jim. Tricky. Everyone said amen. Y'all felt that before. So how do we do it today? How do we share our faith? How do we invite someone to Jesus? How do we invite the one to Jesus? The first thing today is I dare you to obey the words of Jesus. I dare you to obey. In Matthew's Gospel Uh, There's a couple of guys that Jesus bumps into while they're working. They're fishermen. Uh, They're Peter and James and John. And they're just out there living life, doing their thing. And Jesus comes upon them while they're working. And the Bible says Jesus called out to them, come and follow me. Everyone say, follow me. You know, if you're a Christ follower today, at some point Jesus asks you to follow him. Come and follow me and I will show you How to fish for people. I will show you. Jesus says, listen, you come and follow me, and guess what? You're going to be on a, a, a great adventure. I got a life for you that you could have never dreamed. And guess what part of that is? That part of that is sharing what I've done in your life to other people. Fish for people. I was sitting on a plane a while back, and you know, it's always an awkward conversation for me because when people ask me what I do, and so I try to avoid, I try to stay focused on that person and talk to them about their life, and you know, the conversation always comes back around. You know, well, what do you do for a living? I remember one time it just popped out. And I was sitting next to this guy, and he said, uh, "What do you do for a living?" And I just immediately popped up and said, "I keep people from going to hell." <laughs> He's like, okay, how do you do that one? But Jesus said, I will teach you. I will show you how to fish for people. He'll show you. He will show you. There is a purpose and a plan for your life. God's hardwired you. God's created you. God's made you. God gave you a sphere of influence. God's put people in your life just like that little girl. That one was a lot closer than I thought. That wasn't in my wheelhouse on Friday morning. I was just trying to order a phone. But God brought a person into my life that he was calling by name, who he predestined, who he knew, who he loved, who he chose from the foundation of the world. said, I want you, I want you to share my love with her. Come on, give God a great big hand. Here's the deal. The pressure's off of you today. Jesus just simply said, follow me, and I'll show you how to do it. But here's the deal. Jesus is the one that does the saving. The pressure is off of you. Jesus calls us to come to him, but he's the one that challenges people. He's the one that convicts them, that shows them that they're a sinner. He's the one that draws all men unto Himself, men and women. I shouldn't just men in the generic. Get that all right? Not trying to be like whatever here. I'm just trying to understand today. The pressure is off of us. Our part is to bring them to Jesus. Jesus' part is to save them. Look at this in John chapter one. The story is told in John's gospel how Peter came to faith in Christ. The Bible says the first thing Andrew did. Now, Andrew is out there fishing, and he's right there in Capernaum where Peter and these guys live. And he says the first thing Andrew did, this is after he encounters Jesus, was to find his brother Simon Peter and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew didn't convict him. Uh, Andrew didn't save him. Andrew didn't change him. But when Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, Jesus changed his life. Let me tell you today, we're not going to save anyone. We're not going to heal anyone. We're not going to deliver anyone. But there's a one. There is the one. His name is Jesus. And he came to heal, to save, and deliver. Our job is to bring them. Jesus' job is to clean them up. His job is to save them, to transform them, to change them. God loves people today. God loves people today. He loves them. He's compelled. He's consumed. It's his, driving, it's his driving motivator in our lives to demonstrate his love. Titus chapter 3, the Bible says it like this. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. wow! Oh, God loves people today. The heart of God is to be merciful to all people today. Last Sunday, we were having dinner with a young man. He'd just been saved for a very short period of time, and, and uh, we invited him over to the house, and we were having dinner after church, and, and he began to tell us how he got saved. His name is Devin, and Devin began to tell us how Christ came into his life. He said, I didn't grow up in the church. My mom's not a Christ follower. My parents got divorced when I was a little boy. He said, but when I was 17 years of age, which was about three years before, he said, "I, I was at a party. He said, I was tripping on LSD. He said, I was on acid. I was at this party. And he said, around this table, there were two young guys. One claimed to be an atheist. The other claimed to be a Satanist. And then there was a girl across the table who said she was a Christian. He said, you know, the conversation started about whether God is real, and you know, those kind of conversations, and he started getting really intense and really heated, and he said the two young boys started really attacking this girl, and, and this girl, he said, she just piped up and said, there is a God, and he really loves you. He said, when she said that, he saw, like, in his spiritual, con- confused, convoluted, twisted LSD trip in mind, he saw this dark spirit, or this dark influence over these two young boys. And he said at that moment, when she said that God loves them, he stood up and he said, what she's saying is true. God, there is a real God, and he loves people and he loves you. Now he's on LSD and he's saying this. (laughs) It's a true story. And he said, from that day, Christ set him free. Christ delivered him. He never drank again. He never drugged again. Come on, from that very day. You know what that's called? Mercy! That's called mercy. He didn't deserve it. Come on, he didn't do one thing for it. God just showed up in his life. Wow. Wow. The second thing we must do is we must show that we care you know that already in your sphere of influence there are people who are receptive like if I would have been at that party and saw this kid tripping I wouldn't have thought that he was receptive to the gospel but God knew God knew his heart there are people in your sphere of influence who are already receptive 1 John chapter 3 verse 18 John says it like this dear children let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth do you know that every person you meet is in process? Every person, whether you believe it or not, they are on a spiritual journey. They are searching. They are seeking for significance. I mean, they might be a professional of the highest order, but deep inside of them, if they know, don't know God. They have a great big hole. They got a great big vacuum in their life that only Christ can fill. You know, this process is a very interesting thing because all of us experience Christ in different ways. My wife, I I, I mean, she experienced Christ as a little girl. She never ran off in the world. She didn't drug and drink and do all those kind of things. A lot of people do. She just always knew Jesus. She always had a relationship with a little girl. She accepted Christ. Some people are like that. Some of you grew up in the church. You never really went far. You just believed and you know you accepted Christ. And you, you have your confidence and your assurance completely in his salvation. And his finished work on the cross and the resurrection from the dead. But other people like me, we were numbskulls. We were just a little harder. God had to knock us down. He had to, you know, show his, his power. He came into our lives in radical ways. Others of you are like Thomas. Kind of got it all figured out, but you got to show me. That's the mercy of God. And I love what Peter says about respecting people and their process. First Peter chapter 3 says it like this. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. We respect people and their spiritual journey. I, I, you don't have to agree with everybody politically to get them saved. You're not going to do that. You don't have to believe or agree with what they're saying spiritually. People are in different places in their spiritual journey. But what does transform, what does touch people's heart are practical acts of kindness. Kindness was a story that Jesus told about a guy who was a Samaritan. A Samaritan was a half Gentile, half Jewish person. And the Samaritans and the full-blooded Jews had been in conflict for a long time. Lots of, lots of tension, lots of problems between these two people groups. And, 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 you know, I was, uh, when I was in Israel a few weeks ago, again, I was reminded of, of the tension and the conflict in this area between the Arabs and the Jews. It, it, there's a real-life tension there. There's a real-life conflict. They don't get along well. We went into one uh, Arab community, one Arab neighborhood, and there was a great big sign. I don't know if I showed it a couple weeks ago or not, but there was a great big sign. And basically the sign said, if you're an Israeli citizen, stay out. You enter at your own peril. I mean, they're really serious. There's a conflict. There's a tension there. The tension hasn't left. 2,000 years later, there's still tension there. And there was this kind of tension. And Jesus is talking to a man, a Jewish man, about who really was his neighbor. Who really was his neighbor? And then Jesus begins to tell this story about the Samaritan that's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's like a straight down. I actually saw that road, man. It's a straight down kind of road. It's through the mountains, and vagabonds and bandits would hang out on that road. They would attack people and rob them. And this guy's going down. He gets beat up, thrown on the side of the road. And there's a couple of religious people. They're on their way. They're on their way back up to the temple. They're on their way to worship. They're too busy. They can't stop. But then a Samaritan comes. Then a Samaritan comes. And you know what he does? He shows compassion. The Bible says that he shows compassion. I want you to put the next verse up. You know he shows compassion? You know what he does? He picks this guy up. He picks him up, puts him on a horse, and puts him on a donkey. He takes him into town. And when he gets there, he says, Listen, he takes out two denarii and he gives it to the innkeeper. And then he says, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come back, I will repay you. You know what he did? He invested in this individual. It cost him cash. It cost him cash. It cost him hard earned dollars. That was about four days' wages, two denarii. It was About four days' wages. It cost him something. And then he said, Listen, if you owe anything else, man, I got good credit, put it on my credit, I'll come and pay you when I get back. Sharing our faith. There's always a cost. There's always a cost. If we're going to invite someone, we must invest in their life. The third thing that we must be willing to do is share our story. Everyone say share our story. In Mark chapter five, there's a guy, the Bible calls him a demoniac. He's a confused guy. He should be in a mental hospital, but they don't have mental hospitals. He is possessed. He's crazy. He cuts himself, He's living out in the tombs. He does all, his family's sick of him. nobody can be around him. He's living by himself. One day Jesus passes by and he cries out, "Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy." And in that moment, the Bible says that Jesus cast the devils out of this man, and he's instantaneously set free. He goes from being this naked, broken guy, no one wanted to be around, he was insane and crazy, to being saved, transformed, and changed, clothed, and in his right mind, all in one moment. Only Jesus can do that. Come on, only Jesus can do that. So this guy's changed. And then now he wants to hang out with Jesus. He wants to go with him. And I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, okay, no, you know what? I I got other work to do, other people to minister to, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home to your own people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. And then the man went home and he began to proclaim that what Jesus had done for him. And everyone who saw him was amazed. Wow. He was amazed. Why? Because his life before Christ was a mess. His life before Christ. And somehow along the journey of his life, Jesus came passing by. You see, uh, the people that you're going to invite to church, the people that you're going to share your faith with, they're not going to meet Jesus in the flesh like this guy did, but you're going to bring them to Jesus you're going to bring the Jesus that's in you to them. The Bible says that he began to immediately go and to share his faith. You know what he said? He goes, here was my life before I met Jesus. This is what happened. Jesus came. He was passing by. I threw myself down at his feet. He saved me. He changed me. I surrendered my life to him. And since then, Since that moment, 2 Corinthians 5.17 has become real in my life. For anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. Come on. Give God a great big hand this morning. You have a story. It might not be as dramatic as this guy who was living in the tombs. But you have a story of Christ's transformation work in your life. You have a story. If you've accepted Christ, if you know Jesus, if he's in your life today, you have a story. And this is what I've discovered. When I tell my story, it gives permission to tell his story. When I tell what Christ has done in my life, my wife can say, you know what? God saved me. God kept me. God protected me. God preserved me. And today, this is the result. This is the result in my life. I can tell people, this is my story. God saved me. God cleaned me up. God turned me around. And he put me on solid ground and on a straight path. I can tell you today that everyone in this room has a story. And when you tell others your story, you don't have to prove them to anything. Now listen, they can't argue with your story. Because it's your story. It's what God has done in your life. Paul the Apostle was a master at this. Paul the Apostle, he said, listen, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. I once was this. I did all this in unbelief. But I was shown mercy. Do you not know today that the people in your sphere of influence, God wants to share, God wants to show mercy. When we tell our story It gives permission to tell the gospel story. Acts chapter 26, Paul's telling his story. And you know what he says? He starts going like this. He says that Christ would suffer and that he would rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. The gospel story is that Christ lived on this planet 2,000 years ago. I mean, you can go to the places today. You can go today to the places Jesus stood and preached challenge people to change the way that they think about God. You can go to those places. You can go to the place today that historians and scholars believe that Christ was crucified on the cross. You can go to the place today where there is an empty tomb because he is risen. He is not dead. He's alive, just like he said. Come on. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is alive today. Amen. You can give my a hand this morning. So who's your one today who's your one this is not about us this is about telling people the story of Jesus who's your one today you know the disciples realized that they could do this on their own this is one this isn't a three-step how to do this But the disciples realized that there were people in their sphere of influence that God wanted them to share his love with and they were inadequate and they were incapable. They couldn't do this on their own. They needed a power, a spiritual power beyond themselves. And you know what they did? The Bible says they prayed for it. They prayed for spiritual power because they felt inadequate. They felt the pressures of people not agreeing with them. They, they felt the political correctness of their culture. And in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says, the Bible says, now, Lord. Now, Lord, consider the threats of these people and enable this servant to speak your word with great boldness. See, that's not by your power. Zacharias said it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit has saved you. He's sealed you. The Holy Spirit's keeping you, but he is the one who empowers you to boldly tell others. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in us. Oh, they prayed, God, God, fill us with your power. Fill us with your Spirit. God, give us your heart for people. And you know the second thing they prayed? They prayed that God would work miracles in other people's lives. They prayed that God would bless other people. Look at verse number 30. Can you put it on the screen for me here? Look at they prayed. God, fill us with power. Give us boldness. By stretching out your hand to heal. And the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed, God, fill us. But God, I pray that you will bless those people that we're going to share your love with. God, I pray that you will bless them. God, I pray that you will heal them. God, I pray that you'll work miracles in their life. (laughs) You know, the cool thing is, the Bible says that's exactly what happened. It's exactly, when they prayed and asked God to fill them and to bless other people, God did that exact same thing in their life. Today, we battle our own anagnoskis. Inside of us, we have this sense that this is, oh, this is too hard, and God's saying, there's nothing too difficult. Just make yourself available. We have these external pressures that are out there the world. We have a spiritual battle that we're fighting. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Satan doesn't want your family members saved. Fa- Satan doesn't want your neighbor to come to Christ. Satan doesn't want your coworker who at this moment seems to be far from God and has all these reasons why God doesn't exist isn't real. Satan doesn't want them saved. But Jesus died on the cross for the one. He died on the cross for the one. And he's asking us today, who is our one? Who is our one? Who's your one today? It could be a family member. It could be a coworker, it could be your neighbor, schoolmate, I don't know who you one. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your child. Your son, your daughter. Who is your one today? Who's your one? I, I know this is a really, um, you know. This is a message that Jesus would preach. I mean, he commissioned them. He sent them out to preach the gospel. It's why you and I are here today. Andrew. We don't know much about Andrew other than he brought Peter. We don't know much about his story. We don't even know how he died. We know that he hung out with Jesus. But Andrew brought one whose name was Simon or Peter. Simon Peter, after he got saved, after he got filled with God's spirit, he stood up and he preached in thousands of people. See, today it's not about us. But there's one in your sphere of influence that God wants you to share his love with. That God wants you to pray for and to believe. Resurrection Sunday is 35 days away. And every year at City Church, we make res- it's the highest, most holiest day, most special day of the year. It's bigger than Christmas. Because it's a day that we recognize 2,000 years ago Christ rose from the dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive we are challenging this congregation today to pray for the one. To pray for the one. Two things today. We have a prayer guide here. And inside this 30-day prayer guide, it'll actually lead us right up to Easter, right up to Resurrection Sunday. But inside this prayer guide, there's a place for you to put the name of the person that you're praying for. And every day you're going to read a scripture verse, and you're going to pray for that person. Day, Day one, which you can start tomorrow. The scripture verse John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the prayer is, God, I know there's only one way to salvation. Jesus is clear. He's the only hope for a lost and dying world. And that includes my neighbor, Aaron. His or her salvation depends on acknowledging Jesus, who he says he is. And he alone is the source of salvation. Use the people and circumstances in Aaron's life today to point him to the reality of Jesus. Give me the courage and the boldness to call Aaron to faith, to invite him to Jesus when the opportunity arises. That's my prayer tomorrow. Really simple. The way that you can confirm this, so today when you leave, you saw a chalk wall. They painted this wall black, and they got different pens, and you already started to see some names that different people have written on there. I'm going to challenge everyone over the next couple of weeks to write the name of the one that you're going to invite. Write the name of the one that you're going to invite. We have Easter invite cards. We've made it very simple. It has all five service times listed on here. We've got Good Friday, which starts at 7 p.m. on Friday, Saturday at 1 p.m., at 3 p.m. Sunday at 8.30, 10 and 11.30. So we actually have six potential services, but five Easter services. And you have an invite card. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to take a stack of cards and invite your one. Some of you are going to take a lot more, and there are people that You're going to invite these. You're going to do like, you know, like we do at the church and, and our staff. We, we invite people at the restaurant. We leave the cards there with a big tip. Everyone say big tip. big tip. You invest in that person. You invite them. Don't give them no fake tip with the, you know, of gospel track kind of thing and two pennies or nothing like that. Give them a big tip. Invest in that waiter or whoever. We're going to invest, and we're going to invite Maybe invite your, your friend or your co-worker and say, listen, if you come, I'm going to take you to 1,000-degree pizza right down the street here. Well, that's good pizza. I like it. And then the third thing is, let's believe. Let's believe. Let's expect God. We're going to bring him to Jesus. Let's expect that God's going to reveal the saving grace of Jesus to the life. Let's believe that. Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe not only that he exists, but he will reward those who seek him. And so we're seeking God for the one because we're like one beggar. We're one beggar sharing our bread, the bread of life, the bread of hope, the bread of transformation with another beggar. Who's your one today? Close your eyes. Holy Spirit in this room right now. There might be a person in this room, Lord, that doesn't know you. I've been talking about reaching others and reaching outside of ourselves. And I'm talking to the believers this morning. Or there might be a person in this room. You came here, and I don't know how you got here. An invitation of a friend or family member. And and you know today in your heart. You know in your heart you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. Today's your day. Today's the best day. Today's the day that God created for you to come into a personal relationship with his son. Today's your day. Jesus stands at the door of your heart. You feel something going on inside. You feel a tugging and a pulling, maybe even a battle in your mind. There might even be a battle in your mind about whether or not this is really real or true. And he's just a preacher boy, and that's why he's got to say that. And I'm telling you today, that's not the truth. The truth is God loves you. And he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And today, everything he did to bring you to this place, to this point, to this time of your life, has been so that you could know him. And you're in this room and you know that your life isn't right with him. You haven't surrendered your life. When I count to three, I'm gonna give everyone in this opportunity to say yes, yes to Jesus. Yes, I surrender my life to you. One, come on. One, there's, there's got to be one person in this room you know you're not right with him. He loves you today. Two, don't miss this moment. Three, come on, right now in this room, you know your life isn't right with God, raise your hand. Go on in this room right now. Amen. All right, Christians, believers, all across this room, I want us to stand together today. What's my part? What's my part in reaching the one who's the one in my life? They prayed for Holy Spirit power. They prayed, God, fill us. God, fill us with boldness. This morning as a congregation and a church, that's going to be our closing prayer. Miranda and the worship team is going to lead us in the song at the altar. And I believe some of us in this room right now, we need to have an altar moment with God. We've gotten distracted from the mission and the mandate to which Christ has called us. And today God's calling us back. We're saying, God, I give you my heart. God, I ask you to fill me with boldness today, and if you're willing to join me as a congregation in this prayer, I want you to lift your hands right now towards the Lord, and as we begin to sing at the altar, I want you to ask God to reveal the one and to give you boldness, to give you boldness to invite that person to Jesus today. Come on, let's worship the Lord this morning.